My soul was cold and hopeless, dead in the grave. Then like a river of light in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light. Do not fit any 
Good morning, everyone. Uh, we are so glad that you've joined us. If you're new here, my name is Jay. I'm the director of worship, and it's a it's a pleasure, it's a joy, it's an honor to be able to gather with you to lead worship for you. Um, I'm I, we begin all of our services with a call to worship. It's a reminder of why we're gathering and what we're doing, and a reminder to worship the Lord and why we do that. Uh, I'm going to read a call to worship from Psalm 66. And I would encourage you to open your hearts and minds and prepare yourself for worship this morning, listening to these words. It says this, Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Let me pray for us as we begin. O most holy God, we join together today with our brothers and sisters across the world to sing praises to your name. O God, may we be empowered by your Holy Spirit to lift your name in praise this morning. You are worthy of all praise. But God, we need eyes to see, we need ears to hear, we need hearts to receive with gladness the good news of Jesus Christ once again this Sunday morning. So please, God, would you overcome our hard hearts, overcome our distracted minds. God, that may, we may give you the honor that is due to you. And as we leave this place in just a little while here, may we carry this gospel with us to our work, our homes, our schools, and to the ends of the earth, that we may be a light in a dark world, to the glory of your name. So God, would you be with us now? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing together. Sing, be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all 
Thou my wisdom.
You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, victorious. In faithfulness, none can deny. Through the storm and through the fire, there is truth that sets me free Jesus Christ who lives in me sing you are strong you are stronger you are stronger sin is broken you have saved me it is written Christ is risen Jesus you are Lord of all
Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community, walking with God in our city. Really good to be with you. Good to meet some of you already this morning. If you're new to Gainesville, welcome to Gainesville. As we said last week, greatest city in the world. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out our YouTube channel and you'll see. Um, we would love to be in contact with you, and there's a few ways that you can do that. Number one, please consider finding me after the service. I'd love to get to know you, tell you a little bit more about our church what in the world we're doing in downtown Gainesville. You can also fill out a connection card. When you walk in each morning, we actually put a connection card in your bulletin. Consider filling that out, putting your prayer requests on there. You can also use that to ask us questions about our church, get to know us a little bit better. We're very responsive to these cards. Uh, so you can fill that out, put it in the seat pocket in front of you. We pick them up after the service. Or you can fill out an online card on your phone, citychurchgmv.com slash connection. Also, after 
this service and after the 11 a.m. service, we are doing what we call a taste and see. It's kind of like a coffee pastry situation outside. So if you have some space after we conclude our service, if you go to the white tents, they're kind of catty corner across the street from City Church. Uh, there'll be some people there from our staff. I'll be there. Other people from our staff, leaders from our church. Uh, we'll have a, some refreshments for you. We'll give you a very brief presentation. We're talking like five minutes, kind of the nuts and bolts of who we are, and then you have some space to ask us questions. Uh, you didn't need to RSVP to this. This is extremely informal, so after the service, please consider coming out. We'll give you a reminder, but we would love to meet you that way as well, so that's an option. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as a people of God is giving generously. You can give online, citychurchgmv.com slash give, or there's a brown box back and at the back of the sanctuary, and that's always available. There's some envelopes there for you as well. I mentioned this uh, last week in particular. I've, I've been saying this a lot. One of the things that you're going to notice here at City Church is a rather large emphasis this fall on what you might call adult education, although we're looking for a way better, more relevant uh, and glamorous term for it. I just want to remind you that you have a number of opportunities coming up, um, including a couple that I haven't really made a big deal about yet. Number one, uh, women here in the life of the church, you have a study in the book of Joshua that's about to start in a couple of weeks. There's a virtual option, so you can do it via Zoom on Monday night at 8 o'clock. That starts on September 13th, or on September 14th, we're launching a Tuesday morning in-person study with childcare. Same study, so you can do the Monday night or you can do the Tuesday morning. You have lots of information about that. In your bulletin that you get, and also there's a, an even larger monthly bulletin with even more information that's sitting on the hospitality table. We're also doing a class uh, this fall called a Biblical Theology of Marriage. We're going to be talking about, first of all, what is biblical theology? What does that terminology even refer to? And then we're going to be using marriage as a, as a kind of a, a test case of biblical theology, tracing that theme from Genesis to Revelation, um, and then kind of uh, fleshing out implications for marriage and singleness in our lives corporately, in our lives individually, cultural engagement. It's going to be a lot. I've um, been looking forward to this for quite some time. I'll be doing most of the teaching on that, and that launches um, Monday night, September the 13th at 7 o'clock here. And that will be about an hour and 45 minutes, eight-week class. I would love to see you there. So have that on your radar. Another thing that I haven't mentioned that I'm very excited about, I've kind of mentioned it, but it's launching this Thursday. We're actually doing a, a Bible study in Spanish, uh, and we're partnering with another church here in our city with Creekside Community Church. So starting Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we are beginning, we are launching a Bible study that's in Spanish, and so we would love to have you be a part of that. It's going to be covering the book of Acts. Mark Mansfield is um, the representative from City Church that's going to help lead that along with some reps from Creekside. If you want more information, just put something on your connection card. Also, and I hope I have the information on this page, in addition, so community groups are kind of the community backbone of our church. So we, are, we encourage everybody in our church family to be a part of a small group that meets every single week. Uh, we eat together, we pray together, we serve our city together, we support missionaries together, uh, we study God's word together. We do a lot of things together. So we would encourage, every, there's nine of them, they meet at different times, there's information in your bulletin, they're always open to everybody. Big deal, do that. However, we are also offering this fall an opportunity, like a, a kind of a, a unique group for people who say, hey, you know, instead of doing a community group, I just want to learn more about the basics of Christianity. I just want to learn more about what it means to walk with Jesus for maybe newer Christians, people that are exploring Christianity. That class is called Christianity Explored, and it begins um, Wednesday, September 15th. So Wednesday, September 15th at 6.30, if you want more information about it, 
Uh, you can mark something on your connection card or just chat with me after the service or read your bulletin. I told you, we have a lot of things going on in the realm of adult education. Hopefully one of these or, or even multiple of these opportunities will be a blessing to you. Every month at City Church, we do um, kind of a rotation of spotlights on community engagement and missions and personal testimonies and so forth. Last week, we did a 35,000-foot view of our community engagement, basically what in the world we're doing locally in our city as a church. If you missed it, you can go watch it um, on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Tyler Jacobs did an outstanding job outlining kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it. This week, we're taking a 35,000-foot look at missions, again, at global missions. And what we're going to do um, is invite Emily Simmons to come up and the rest of our missions committee that's here this morning. Emily is our missions committee chair. And then there's a few other people that are here this morning that are part of that committee. They're going to tell you a little bit more about what our missions committee is, what we're doing, and then how you can be involved. Thank you, Chipper. Yes, thank you. Um, so, yes, as you said, I'm Emily Simmons. I'm the new chair of our missions committee. We have a few members, most of us who are here, which is exciting. One is Chipper. Chipper is actually our secretary, so he takes all of our notes for us. And we have Ben and Esther and Dorian, who is our treasurer. So, And there's one more member, Micah Johnson, who's not here this morning. But we've got the six of us going strong, and we're really excited. We have two more potential people who are considering joining our committee as well. So um, you can be praying for them also. Um, so we are the missions committee. We've been around since around since about 2019, um, early 2019. So that's three, two years, three years. I can't do math, but two years, two years, which is awesome. We've been able to do a lot of really cool things for missions in our church. Um, we've had, um, as you guys probably know, we had Ebby and Esther come and visit us very recently. They stayed for a little over a weekend. Um, we've taken field trips to organizations in Orlando that work with missions, and we've had our other two missions partnerships. Um, the uh, uh, Andrews and the Days um, both have visited us at one point or another. So we not only have developed those partnerships, but we know we've been able to host them, which has been amazing. So in the interest of not talking too much, I thought I would let scripture speak for us, for why do we even have a missions committee? What is our, what is our purpose here? Um, so we're going to start in Genesis and end in Revelation. We won't do everything in between. But Genesis 12, um, 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who will bless you, and I, him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is like the great commission of the Old Testament. We talk about Matthew 28 and God saying, go therefore make disciples of all nations, but it goes way before that. God tells us in Genesis that he wants to reach the nations. So then we get to Revelation and we see why are, why are we reaching the nations? Uh, Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's such a beautiful picture of all of the nations coming and worshiping God in their own way and in their own culture and in their own strategy. So that is why we have a missions committee. So we are wanting to involve City Church in what God is doing globally. And so the few of us that are here are tasked with engaging you guys in what we're doing. We do that in a few ways. We support missionaries. We host adult education opportunities. We have prayer opportunities. We try to send information to you guys. We do all of that, and so um, we do that so that we as a church can be involved in what God is doing globally. 
So that's, again, 35,000 feet, like Chipper said, very overview. Um, but I wanted to turn it over to Ben, who's one of our newest members of the committee, um, and he's going to share a little bit about what his experience has been like on our committee and why he cares about missions. So, Ben. Yeah. Um, hey, everyone. I'm Ben. Um, so uh, I was given two questions to address, the first one being, why do I have a heart for missions? And for me, it was definitely a kind of a process that the Lord took me through. Um, so in undergrad, some of my closest friends, uh, one of my freshman dorm roommates, random, um, was from India, um, had a lot of just people from other countries on my freshman dorm hall that throughout college, I just grew to love late night Bollywood nights. It was, you know, it was really fun. Um, but as I learned to, as I grew closer to them and loved them more, my heart broke more and more for them because um, they didn't know Jesus. And so that, it really started as individuals. And then like, as I grew, the Lord just started shifting it more towards nations that don't know Jesus. Like, There's so many people in the world and so many countries that don't know who Jesus is. Um, or if they have heard of him, they have no idea what he is and who he is. Um, so that really started transitioning me. And I remember uh, one really distinct moment. Um, it was Thanksgiving of my third year of college. And my dad, is it okay if I use this chipper? Cool. Um, my dad was telling me, uh, he just pulled me aside. I was like, I was, and he said, I was reading the other day in Daniel, and it's 12.1. Uh, he says, and there shall be a time, uh, that's not it, uh, <laughs> but at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightest of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And my dad looked at me and, in most reference to that last section, said, one of my biggest regrets is that I wasn't as aggressive in my faith and I didn't tell peop more people about Jesus and bring them to righteousness. Um, and that hit me hard. And that, that really kind of pushed me and propelled me um, to the mission field. So I um, spent a year in India, and that's really kind of how the Lord pushed me into having a heart for missions. It was just a gradual process, but at the end of the day, it's about seeing the Lord's name magnified, um, as Emily just read, and um, bringing people who are wayward to righteousness. Um, so why did I join the missions committee? So kind of, it, it's all those things combined. It's everything I just said, kind of, it's just the next step that the Lord had for me. Um, I think of Philippians 1, when it, Paul says, you know, the every good work that the Lord has started, he will see to completion. I think this was just a very natural step that the Lord called me to. Um, there was an opening, and um, I was asked to consider it, and just praying through it, the Lord really touched my heart. Like, this is where I want you now, and this is how I want you actively involved in pursuing my kingdom. Um, and so that's kind of my story of how I ended up here. So... 
Thank you so much for sharing that, Ben. That's all we have for you this morning. But thank you guys for listening. And if you would join us in praying for the missions committee this week and upcoming weeks, we would really appreciate it. So thank you, everyone. Awesome. Can we go ahead and give the missions committee a hand? I'm going to pray for the missions committee in just a minute. Um, also going to be praying for, oh my goodness, the Gulf Coast, uh, state of Louisiana, other places that are getting ready to probably get hit very hard. Um, and it's been really heavy, heavily on my heart this morning and for the past couple of days. Last, last time I was actually in New Orleans was right after Katrina. Um, so it's kind of flashing all that back and it's making me really sad. So. Uh, we'll pray for the missions committee. We will pray for um, our neighbors to the west in just a few moments. Our scripture passage this morning is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. If you have a Bible, we would encourage you to pull that out and follow along with us. The passage will also be up here on the screen, so you can follow along with us that way as well. Proverbs 3. Verses 1 through 12. I'll tell you more about our series, why we're in this book, in just a, just a couple of minutes. I think this is the first time we've ever preached in the book of Proverbs in the history of the church. So that is exciting. You know what, man? A new book, a new genre. Uh, praise God. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. Let me read this for us, keeping in mind that this is, this is God's holy word that we are reading. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. God, we are very sorrowful right now in light of what's happening, number one, around the world. Still thinking about Afghanistan and Haiti and, and uh, Lebanon. Um, but even now, Father, there's a, a threat, just a... And we do ask, number one, for protection, for, for miraculous intervention in the next few hours. We pray that you would especially guard people's lives um, and Father, would you give us wisdom as a church that's in the southeast, that's not that far from where the storm is going, to know how, the, how we can respond with, with financial generosity, with time generosity. What will it mean for us to rise up? Even though we're tired, we've been beaten down ourselves the last couple of years. Give us energy, Lord, locally, to respond with grace. And Lord, we do pray a blessing over this missions committee we thank you for the work, remarkable work, that, that really ramped up in the midst of the pandemic. So thank you for uh, the beautiful fruit of that that we've seen. I also pray that you would raise up a few new people to serve on this committee. Um, 
not only because of what they will do for the committee, but because of what you want to do in them. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is week two of a three-week series here at City Church in which we are taking a fresh look at our vision statement, what we mean when we say that we aspire to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. Last week, we talked about authentic community. This week is all about walking with God. What does it mean to to walk with God? You know, I was thinking about it this week. This this idea of walking with God, it it sounds a little bit crunchy, doesn't it? You know, I mean, especially to our contemporary ears, it sounds like you're wearing chacos and a and a bandana. Sounds like you've rediscovered Bob Dylan and, and you herald the comprehensive health benefits of the elderberry. That's what it sounds like. You know, I am completely fine with that, you know, that imagery. Uh, Noah and Enoch, two guys who were described in the book of Genesis as men who walk with God, they wore sandals. They were all about it. And Enoch, actually, he didn't even die a physical death. He at the end of his time on earth, God simply took him. So clearly he was eating you know, a lot of elderberries. It would be anachronistic to suggest that these guys were into Bob Dylan, you know, but King David was a man after God's own heart, and he played the harp, which is pretty crunchy if you ask me. Here's the issue, though. Walking with God is not at all crunchy when it comes to truth, especially if spiritual crunchiness, for lack of a better term, is relativistic and oriented around personal desire. Especially if that, if that spiritual crunchiness means that we're kind of all wandering around spiritually and, and no one really knows the truth, either because we all have a different part of the truth or because truth doesn't really exist in an absolute sense. When we walk with God, we are walking with someone who is by his very nature, truth. Truth personified. And so our, our walking, while definitely bathed in humility, is nonetheless anchored in rock-solid, unchanging, and eternal truth. Our walking is, is oriented here at City Church toward a true north that is outside of ourselves, and our feelings. Does this mesh particularly well with the spirit of our age? Not really. As we're about to see, walking with God is ultimately more beautiful and more satisfying than any of the alternatives, even if those alternatives might feel existentially satisfying when we're gathered around a campfire in the middle of the woods. So what are we getting at here at City Church when we talk about walking with God? What do we mean by that? And why is that a journey worth pursuing? Two reflections this morning concerning what it means to walk with God. Number one, walking with God is trusting. And then number two, walking with God is trustworthy. So number one, walking with God is trusting And then number two, walking with God is trustworthy. So let's start with that first reflection. Walking with God 
is trusting. The book of Proverbs is Hebrew wisdom literature, a very different kind of literary genre than the narrative, story-based genre in which we immersed ourselves this summer in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and even last week in the book of Acts. Hebrew wisdom literature is generally very poetic in nature with lots of repetition and parallelism and metaphor and so forth. So if you're one of those romantic types or you like Kanye, you know the recent Kanye, you're going to love what we're doing this morning. One type of repetition is chiastic repetition, which appears to frame and unify the structure of Proverbs 3 1 through 12. Chiastic structure is very difficult to describe verbally, and I'm kind of shaking in my boots here. This is an academic context, and so I know someone's assessing what I'm about to say here. So it's difficult to describe verbally, but it's essentially this ABC-CBA pattern in which ideas are presented and then represented in reverse order. Assuming that this is the case, for our passage, and I think the evidence is very strong, the chiastic structure of Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 would direct us to the middle of the passage in order to identify its thematic emphasis or its thrust. So let's look together at the middle, at verses 5 through 8, which identify the locus of biblical wisdom. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There's a cadence that you can probably see in these two stanzas of of exhortation, followed by benefit, and then exhortation, followed by benefit. You can see that throughout the entire passage. But for now, we're actually going to focus on the exhortations. We'll get back to the benefits, but for now, we're just looking at the exhortations. Exhortation number one. Remember, this this is the heart of biblical wisdom. Exhortation number one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, which as we see is the antithesis of leaning on your own understanding. And then verse 6 essentially recouches the same exhortation, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And then exhortation number 2, see verse 7, fear the Lord and turn away. That's, it's really shun, shun evil, which of course is the antithesis of being wise in your own eyes. So this, this is just trusting and fearing the Lord is, is biblical wisdom 101. And wouldn't you know it? The wisdom of trusting and fearing the Lord perfectly encapsulate the heart posture or the attitude of someone who is walking with God. That's what we're talking about at City Church when we talk about walking with God. We are talking about trusting and fearing the Lord. We can see some evidence for this connection in verse 6, given the imagery, you know, and all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And then when you look at the the biblical account of Noah, one of the guys we mentioned earlier who 
who is said to have walked with God, Genesis 6-9, you will find that it was very much his trust in the Lord and fear of the Lord that set him apart from the evil, scoffing people that God ultimately destroyed in the flood. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart entails continuously submitting our entire lives, our whole lives to God, our actions, our speech, our decision-making, everything you can think of in accordance with God's will as it's revealed to us in his word. We get on board with, with his way of doing things, and then we rely on him accordingly. Fearing the Lord means that we do the trusting thing with what Michael Reeves describes as intensely delighted wondering at God. Which, of course, requires shunning, verse 7, evil, since evil is anything that would dispossess or dethrone God and keep us from wondering at him with delight. So here's the thing. Trusting God without fearing him would be something closer to, you know, kind of begrudging intellectual assent. You know, I, I don't, God, necessarily love the plan here, but rules are rules, so I'll do it your way, because you're the God, and you make things happen, you make things work, I'm just going to go with it. Trusting God while fearing God looks like this. I can't believe I get to submit my whole life to this awesome, wondrous God, my creator and redeemer, come what may. I can't even imagine doing things my way. This is trusting while fearing. You can think of this as a difference between taking music lessons from your parents and taking music lessons from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Maybe you take the lessons from your parents because they're the parents and apparently music is good for you, etc., etc. So you get on board with it, but you're kind of complaining all the time. Lin-Manuel Miranda walks into the room and you are ready to go. You're going to take the lessons and you're going to be fine with it and you're going to devote your whole day to it if he's up for it. That is trusting while fearing the Lord. And that's the posture we're aiming for here at City Church when we talk about walking with God. There will definitely be twists, there will be turns, but it is definitely not aimless spiritual wandering untethered from truth. It's trusting and fearing a God who is true and awesome and powerful and just and full of mercy and compassion. That's what we're talking about. Now here's the the rather large problem with all of this. We are living in a cultural moment that loudly celebrates trusting and following nobody other than ourselves and our personal desires. A climate that is clearly influencing Christian doctrine and practice, and it's not just, it's not just out there. It's in the church of Jesus Christ. For example, check out this is, a, this is a Barna study published in 2016 called The End of Absolutes, America's New Moral Code. Check out this study. 76% of practicing Christians in the United States 
76% of practicing Christians in the United States who responded to this Barna survey completely or somewhat agreed with the statement that the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. And 72% of practicing Christians completely or somewhat agreed that to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. These are remarkably me-centered responses that directly, directly contradict the exhortations given to us in verses 5 through 8. They championed a very self-determined, wise-in-your-own-eyes way-making that Proverbs chapter 3 says is more likely to lead us into evil and futility than into wisdom and flourishing. This is the very individualistic current that we are swimming directly against here at City Church when we talk about walking with God. We see it in the survey data, which I would assume has become even more concerning in the past five years, certainly not better. Frankly, we see it in Christian books. We hear it at at Christian conferences, you know, come discover, unbridle, unleash, the fill in the blank that's inside of you. All of that orients us towards ourselves and not towards God. And church, if we're being honest with ourselves, we probably detect some of the self-oriented stuff in our hearts as well. There is just no way we're not being influenced to some degree by this current I'm talking about. It is everywhere, the waters are everywhere, and they are, they are extremely strong. And remember this, this, this penchant that we have for being wise in our own eyes and following our own desires. We can trace that all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. There is nothing new underneath the sun. Earlier I said that this was mainly going to be a why sermon, and here's where that kicks in. I'm sorry to disappoint the how people, although we will do a little bit of work there as well as far as how we walk with God. Plus there's a sense in which every message we preach at City Church is about how to walk with God. In light of what we've been talking about, why? Why in the world would we want to walk with God in this Proverbs 3 kind of way? Why not just go with the cultural flow, man? Why kick against you know, the, the cultural goads here? In a few moments, we'll get to the positive and encouraging part of the why, but first, let's get exceedingly negative and cynical, all for the glory of God. Why walk with God? Cynical reason number one. The individualistic follow-your-heart brand of Christianity, prioritizes the self at the expense of communing with and enjoying God himself. Follow-your-heart kind of Christianity, is, it, it's an oxymoron that's effectively an attempt to have, as, as Mark Sayers puts it, the kingdom without the king. Maybe we like some of the trappings of Christianity, the community, the music, the service opportunities. But at the end of the day, we want to call our own shots and let God serve as a consultant. 
We like Christianity maybe for its therapeutic purposes, but we don't want to decenter ourselves and practice uncomfortable things like confession and repentance, and we could go on and on. And here's what happens. We miss out on communing with and enjoying God to the degree that we center our own desires even if we baptize them with a Christian-looking marketing scheme. And remember, we, we tried baptizing, you know, the, the being wise in our own eyes thing in the Garden of Eden and Genesis chapter 3. We tried unleashing, you know, the fill-in-the-blank that was inside of us. And how did it go? It severed our relationship with God, a circumstance that Adam and Eve instantly regretted, immediately. Passionately walking with God and passionately centering our own desires, those things cannot coexist. When one goes up, the other one goes down at exactly the same rate. Cynical reason number two, why you would want, in my view, to walk with God. Being wise in our own eyes just does not work in the face of difficult circumstances and suffering. Guys, it doesn't work at all. For example, turn the page from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 4 as, as Cain's circumstances became increasingly unfavorable, really because of his own cold-heartedness toward the Lord. Follow your heart eventually led him to murder his brother Abel. Or how about, I don't know, now? All the chaos we're rather unsuccessfully navigating as a country and as a world. Leaning on our own understanding is, I mean, it is not cutting it. Being wise in our own eyes is, is not getting the job done. And the way out of these messes looks increasingly implausible because part of being wise in our own eyes means we don't listen to God or really anybody else. We're unteachable. We, we desperately grasp at straws in order to support our own views and desires. Alan Jacobs is a humanities professor at Baylor. He's also an Anglican Christian. Back in 2017, he wrote a very successful book called How to Think, A Survival Guide for a World at Odd. I would still recommend that book. He's one of my favorite authors. But I need to tell you that, at least in the eyes of Dr. Jacobs, any optimism you can detect in that book title should be given a proper burial and laid to rest. This is what he wrote just a few weeks ago in a blog post. He said this, For the last 40 years, I have been interested in our common life in this country and the ways we live together. And whenever we have experienced pronounced social tension, I have had ideas for resolving or at least lessening those tensions. Those ideas have typically been uncommon ones, and I have rarely been under any illusions about the likelihood of their being adopted, but I have nonetheless believed in their likely efficacy in our current situation. Now in our current situation, I have no idea what to do. I have no tactical suggestions, none. I am totally and absolutely at a loss. 
leaning on our own understanding. It's, it's kind of bougie, if you'll allow me to say that. It might appear to work well in seasons of abundance and comfort, but rain clouds end up exposing the limits of human wisdom, which, which cannot, as we are seeing right now, cannot bear the weight of those circumstances and often make them even worse. Eventually, we end up, as Alan Jacobs puts it, totally and absolutely at a loss. I, I, I wrestled with whether or not to say this, because I don't want us to feel too badly about ourselves, but I, I want to say this. Can you imagine telling a Christian, or really anybody living in Afghanistan right now, things like, the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself? Can you imagine telling an Afghan Christian right now, to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire the most? You can't imagine it because you know it won't work. It doesn't work. That kind of thinking has nothing for people who are in the throes of suffering. That's the end of the cynical and the negative part. You've heard enough about the shortcomings of the alternative. To walking with God. And now we get to talk about walking with God and see why it actually is worthwhile and compelling. Now we get to be far more positive and encouraging, and that brings us to our second reflection. Walking with God is trustworthy. We already saw kind of the, the posture of walking with God's trusting and fearing, but now we see it's also trustworthy. You can bank on it. Here's the the bone that I said I was going to throw to the how people. Like, Give me something about how I can walk with God. Well, verses 1, 3, 9, and 11 in Proverbs 3 give us examples of what walking with God, trusting and fearing him, look like in practice. They do give us some examples. Verse 1, walking with God means keeping God's commandments or his word. Technically, my commandments represents the voice of a of a father speaking to his son, but those commandments are really God's commandments, such as those found in the Mosaic law. Verse 3, when I walk with God, here's what you should do. Remind yourself every day of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Every day. There are some who believe that this is actually an exhortation for us to be steadfastly loving and faithful. For now, I'll simply resolve things like this regularly, remembering God's steadfast love and faithfulness is the best way to be steadfastly loving and faithful yourself. How about that? Verse 9. Honor the Lord with all of your assets, a posture that certainly includes generosity and for the Israelites a very specific tie. So in keeping with the nature of trust, as we discussed it earlier, we are submitting all of our resources to the Lord. And finally, want to walk with God? Verse 11, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. And this is a, a fascinating way of letting us know that God is going to work through difficult circumstances to refine us spiritually and even to correct us when necessary. You can find a very similar theme in Hebrews chapter 12. 
Are all difficult circumstances the direct result of our personal sin? Definitely not. And Jesus addresses this very pointedly a couple of times in the Gospels. But God is always at work in our difficult circumstances to change us and when necessary to rebuke us, which completely alters our mindset in the midst of suffering. You see how it totally alters our mindset? Instead of saying, why is God doing this or allowing this? We wonder, what is God doing in me in this season of difficulty? How is he teaching? How is he forming? This is, when you put all of this together, it's a, I told you I was going to throw the how people a bone here. This is a surprisingly comprehensive summary concerning how to walk with God, although we find other elements elsewhere and scriptures that go along with these. But remember, this is a wise sermon. Not a house sermon, really. This is a wise sermon. Why is it worth it to trust and fear the Lord and to apply that posture practically in the four ways I just mentioned? Why is this a trustworthy way to live? There are two categories of whys. The first of which is very explicit in this text, and then the second requires us to, to zoom out a little bit. Category number one, when we walk with God, church, we are blessed because of it. We're blessed because of it. Verse two, when you keep God's commandments, you will live a long and peaceful life. Verse four, when you remember God's steadfast love in such a way that it affects the way you live, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 6, when you acknowledge God in all of your ways, he will make your path straight. He will, he will help you walk in purposeful godliness. Verse 7, when you fear the Lord, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. God will give you rest. Verse 8, when you honor the Lord with your resources, you will flourish. If you have a barn... And I know not many of you do, but if you have a barn, it will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's the general way of saying you'll flourish, you will prosper. Church, God delights in blessing the faithfulness of his people. He delights in blessing the faithfulness of his people. We see this all over scripture, and in fact, the Mosaic law describes a very direct link between covenantal faithfulness and covenantal blessing. Plus, it makes sense that we would flourish in this world when we live in the world the way God designed us to live in it. You know what I mean? It's always a good idea to follow the instructions given by the guy who made the thing. But we have another problem. You might object at this point saying, listen, I know people who have genuinely trusted in the Lord and feared the Lord. I know people who have genuinely walked with God, but experienced very difficult lives. Very difficult lives. Or you might feel that way about yourself. I'm being faithful, but the hits keep on coming. I don't see any of these blessings. Wisdom literature actually accounts for this. That, that is the nature of the genre. The author's of biblical wisdom literature were very aware of the comprehensive ways in which sin affects the world 
and the suffering and the difficult circumstances that go along with that. They were very aware of that. So when we read Proverbs chapter 3, we should be hearing the phrase, generally speaking, honor the Lord with your assets, and generally speaking, more often than not, you will flourish, your barns will be filled with plenty. But, and you can see this affirmed elsewhere in Proverbs, on this side of heaven, sin and suffering can and do mess with that pattern. Sometimes faithful people seem to be cursed, and their enemies seem to be blessed. The Proverbs 3 pattern still holds, but because of sin and suffering, there will be exceptions when it comes to our earthly experience of these blessings. However, category two, when we walk with God, we will get God. No exceptions. When we walk with God, whatever our earthly experience of this, these blessings are, when we walk with God, we will get God. All the time, every time. No exceptions. Through a, a fairly tragic sequence of events, um, I am about to start coaching my son's t-ball team. This is not something that I asked for, and you can talk to me more about it after the service, but here we are coaching the uh, rookie Gator Ball Tigers. Um, when I was picking our team name, there was a few options. I was like, well, I'm not going to pick the Bulldogs because of the association, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I picked the Tigers, and I got this confirmation email. I was like, congratulations, you're the coach of the LSU Tigers. So apparently every team name is an SEC thing, whatever. So I was very disappointed. But anyway, I'm coaching the Tigers. And I, I've, <laughs> I don't, who knows? I hope they're not watching this video. So our practice tomorrow is going to be really something. Um, I've mentioned before that about eight years or so ago, my dad passed away very tragically, um, very suddenly. And there are these, I don't think about it a lot or all the time, but there's these moments that just kind of all of that comes rushing into my head because I grew up playing baseball and my dad coached me, uh, you know, from t-ball basically up into junior ball. Um, so of course, when I became the coach of my son's t-ball team, I started thinking about my dad and I started thinking about um, playing for him, playing under him. Um, it, the thing that I actually remembered, and this is why it's relevant to what I'm about to, to say in a second here, the thing that I remembered was I didn't really play t-ball or, or any year of baseball specifically because of sort of like, you know, the athletic benefits, right? I didn't play because, well, if, you, if, you're, if you're active, if you go outside a certain amount of minutes per day and, and so forth, then you'll be healthy and you know, you'll live a long life, and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't, I didn't really play baseball because I was trying to be cool. I've mentioned this before. I was not cool for a very long time. It's questionable whether or not I'm cool now. But it's definitely not cool back then. I was thinking, why did I play? Why did I do this at the end of the day? And I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Why, why, why did I play baseball? I, I played it because I wanted to spend time with my dad. I played it because I wanted to spend time with my dad. And I knew that regardless of how I was hitting, what my performance was, what snacks I was getting at the snack shack, I would for sure be with my dad. I would have that time with my dad. 
And I remember, and this, listen, I, my baseball career peaked when I was 10, so this, take this with a grain of salt. I made the all-star team that year, and it was like, downhill after that. But 10 peaked. I remember coming in to the garage after school and seeing there's this, this sign on the door. It said, congratulations, because my dad, I guess my dad got an email, and he was celebrating, so he had a sign on the door with his handwriting, you know, congratulations on making the all-star team. And, you know, you had some sort of special meal prepared, and we celebrated together and everything like that. And then, notes die. But that was a really beautiful day. Um, <clears throat> when we walk with God, the main reason that we're doing that is to spend time with God, is to get God. The main point of Christianity is getting God, is being reconciled to God. I think there's far too much emphasis right now. You know, this is what Christianity will do for your personal life, and, you know, come be a Christian because it'll unbridle. You can unleash and unlock, and you're fine. But primarily what we're signing up for when we walk with God, and why I think this is compelling, is that when we walk with God, we get God. We commune with him. We get intimacy with him. We get to know him. And the reason all this is possible is, of course, the Father sent his Son Right. He made him who knew no sin that for our sake so that we might get this, this righteousness of Jesus in our own lives, that we might actually repent of our sin and turn towards God and put all of our hope in Christ Jesus. And then get God now and into eternity. And as, as, as wonderful as the benefits of, you know, say, if you read Revelation 21 and 22, it'll talk about this, this new city, Jerusalem. They're all going to live in it. It's going to be spectacular. It will be spectacular. There's this imagery of gold and so on and so forth. But the primary benefit, even of heaven, is God and getting God. So at City Church, why do we emphasize walking with God? It's because we believe that God is genuinely very beautiful and full of mercy and compassion, steadfastly loving, steadfastly faithful. And so I would invite you to, to engage in our church family consistently that we might pursue the Lord together and get God and know him. That's what we're after. And we will get there when we pursue him faithfully. I don't know what your life circumstances are going to be like in the next few years. I know that if you, if you walk with God, you will get God. You will get a very strong helping of the God of the universe. Amen. Every week at City Church, we celebrate the Lord's table together. It's actually an opportunity for us as a, as a community of people to sort, of, to sort of like get God, to, to enjoy God, to consider him, especially the work of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples, and during the meal he took the bread, and as he broke it, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. Then after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me.
Apostle Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Because he rose again, his spirit lives in us even now, and when he comes again, we will be gathered together as his people, and we will be literally in the presence of God. That's how much of God we will have when Christ returns. Come and eat and drink and remember all of that this morning and watch the Spirit of God move in you and change you and encourage you, especially those of you who are fatigued and fearful and scared and restless. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope, man, I hope that this has moved you a little bit. It's moved the needle just even 5% towards Christ, towards knowing and enjoying this God. We would love to have a conversation with you about that. Chat with me. Keep coming. Keep wrestling. Instead of taking a meal that you wouldn't say that you believe in right now, we would encourage you just to ponder what we've been preaching through here this Sunday morning. I'm going to pray for us. After I do that, you'll find an elder or deacon on either side of the table with a basket of communion packets. You can simply come up when you're ready, uh, and then they'll put one of the packets into your hand, and then you can eat and drink. You can go back to your seat to do that. You can do it up here. You can kneel. You can pray, whatever. And we'll be in the, a couple of us will be in the back in the lobby after communion service uh, if you want to pray with us specifically. So that's an opportunity for you as well. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for um, this beautiful reminder of the fact that when we are walking with you, mainly what we're getting, Lord, is you, uh, a restored relationship with you made possible because of your son, becoming a substitute on our behalf. And I pray that this bread and this cup that we are participating in together this morning would freshly convict us and encourage us. Lord, expose sin, even for followers of Jesus. Expose sin, Lord, that's keeping us from really enjoying you, from trusting you. That's, that's a barrier right now to you, that we might bring it to the light, confess it, and freshly enjoy your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And oh
trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey Stand with us. Let's keep singing.
Let's sing together. Oh, 
Thank you all for joining us for worship this morning. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here, and uh, we just wanted to invite you again uh, to come to Taste and See. If you are new and just want some more information about City Church and want a pastry, uh, grab coffee on your way out, and then we'll meet down in the tents that are in the lot catty corner here. Um, our benediction this morning comes from Hebrews, the end of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, and it says this, Now, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.
pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family and protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. And we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while, you hear each spoken need. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to
disguise.